Okay. Hi, everyone. It's so nice to be here. Um, there are a few people here that I know and a few people here that I don't know. So for anyone who doesn't know me, hi, my name is Aziza. I am a UK licensed psychotherapist and hypnotherapist. I actually graduated as a dentist, but then I kind of switched careers, let's say about almost two years ago. So I've been doing therapy and psychotherapy ever since. And a lot of what I do is actually revolves around communication and most of the problems that I see with people is just lack of communication or ineffective communication so I'm really glad we're going to talk about this today um, I have a few points that I feel like we can cover but I wanted this to kind of be a question answer sort of thing so what I'm going to start with I'm going to say a few things that could be helpful and then I'm going to leave the floor to the rest of you for anyone who wants to ask any specific questions um, anything that you wanted to get out of this talk that I haven't addressed, you can feel free to type, you can unmute and just talk. But fair warning, my internet has been a bit weird today. So in case something happens and I go, just I'll try to reconnect. Um, but yeah, already. Let's go. All right. Okay, so when it comes to communication, most of how we communicate and what we communicate comes from how we've grown up and the people that were around us. So most of us in the way we talk, in the way we listen to people and how we process things is basically as a result of how that was modeled to us as kids, how we chose to cope or adapt as kids, depending on our caregivers or our primary takers or anyone who was there in the early years of our lives. Now, everyone, we all know this on a logical level that we're all different and we all communicate differently and we all have different expectations. And most of us assume that everyone else thinks the same way that we do and will get us the same way that we understand what we say. So if I say something um, and I intend to mean something, uh, someone will, I assume that someone will understand it in that way, but that's not always the case. Um, when it comes to communication, there's, there are certain levels and there are certain components that are parts of it. So there's the talking and then there's the listening. There's the verbal and there's the nonverbal. And all aspects are important as well as tone and there's body language and all these things. Now, what we aim to get when we're communicating is we aim to have a congruent communication. What does that kind of mean? It, sort of in the sense that when you're talking to someone or when you're interacting with someone, it's never just you and it's never just the other person. It is a, a, a compilation of things. There's you, there's the other, and there's the context of which you're interacting or what you're talking about. So in any given situation or in any interaction or conversation that you're having, one thing to keep in mind is how can I honor and validate myself, honor and validate the other person, honor and validate the context in which I am talking. For example, let's say someone who is usually a blamer or someone who really points out everything else in, that's wrong with uh, the, the world or the problem or the person, those, those people are usually projecting. Um, when someone ignores themselves and considers other people, considers the context, they're usually denying their own experience. These are just a little under, little understandings of how a lot of us fall into because most of us are not congruent we're either we either fall into the projection we're blaming 
we either fall into the placating or the denying. And a lot of us are also irrelevant, which is I will try to run away from the conversation or I'll pretend like it didn't happen and just move on. Um, so the first step is to kind of identify what, do, what is usually me. So for me to know how to communicate better, I need to know what I'm doing when I usually communicate with others. Do I usually retreat and think everything is my problem? Do I usually project my own issues? Or do I try to kind of run away from everything that's going on? Now, in context of relationships or in context of families or any form of interaction, um, most of us do not react as if the situation is happening now. We react and we respond based on things that happened in the past, how we reacted in the past or our past experiences, and we bring them into now. And we do that while being unaware and unconsciously. Sometimes it's not necessarily a trigger. It's just how our brains kind of work to be like, okay, you're in a situation that makes you feel anxious. The last time you felt anxious, something bad happened. So you need to stop talking or you need to blame the person or you need to cause a fight or just run away. So again, awareness is the first step. Now in any given situation, when we are in any conversation with someone else, most important element is listening and listening seems to be we seem to think it's a very easy thing and let me tell you as a therapist when I first started it was not an easy thing because most of what we do is when we listen we're either thinking about what am I going to respond oh wow I like this person's hair or oh, where did they get that shirt from or um, actually waiting for them to finish just so I can respond but a big component of conversation is to listen while being there with the person and their experience and what they're saying. Even if they're talking about how much they love their coffee, there is a difference between us just, the, there is a barrier of, okay, I'm not really connecting to you. I'm just looking at you from my own lens. So to be able to communicate. So when we're at different levels to kind of bring ourselves together, we kind of have to start listening. And most of us wait for the other person to listen. So we kind of like, no, I'm not going to listen. They have to listen to me. They have to do this. But the first step is that we have to listen because the one who starts listening is the one that is able to regulate the conversation and bring people kind of at the same level. So why do we listen with intent? Because any of us who are in a conversation, we want to say something, we want to be seen, we want to be validated, and we want to be heard. And we want someone else to acknowledge what we're saying. And most of all, we want someone to actually see it the way that we see it and how we are experiencing it. So if the other person is not listening to where we're coming from, we don't have the ability to connect. We don't have the ability to know how to respond. We don't know how to find solutions to, to problems because we're still looking at it from our own lens. We're not looking at it where they are. So that being said, there are certain ingredients to an interaction that when we look at most of our interactions, or let's say if you take a certain conversation that you've had recently that didn't really go as planned, or you kind of left feeling not okay, there are certain things to look into when you want to evaluate how the conversation went in which from that you're able to be like, uh -huh, okay, maybe this caused an issue for me, or maybe this is something I can work on. So the first thing to ask is within an interaction, what do you see and what do you hear? Now, most of us will remember the tone of voice or when someone shouted and when someone screamed and when someone said the worst thing ever, but we don't really notice subtle things. 
for example, when someone is angry or they're expressing anger, there's pain in there. There is disappointment. There is unmet expectation. No one will go out of their way to just be a horrible person, which is most of us kind of, we take that in personally. So the first thing is not to take that personal. Everyone is experiencing something in a certain way and everyone wants to kind of understand it better, but everyone wants to be understood regardless of how they are communicating. So the first thing is to be, okay, what did that, what am I seeing? And what am I hearing in this conversation? The second thing is, what is the meaning that you gave to the thing that you saw or to the thing that you heard? So if let's say my brother came and he screamed at me, the meaning I gave it is that he hates me or he, he's pissed at me or he just doesn't like spending time with me, all of that. With anything, it's the meaning we give to things and people and experiences that create the emotional experience. So if I feel something, it's not because that is the reality, it's because that's the meaning I give it. Because reality is subjective to everyone. So when you wanna look into changing an experience, you look into changing the meaning that you're giving to that specific experience for whatever it is that you've gone through. And that is when you're able to change. So what do you see in here is the first step. And then what is the meaning that you're giving to what it is that you're seeing and hearing? The third thing is, what are your feelings about the meaning? Now it's kind of going a little bit deeper, but they're very crucial steps because most of us react based on all these ingredients without really knowing because it's kind of a default thing in our head. So what we're doing now is we're kind of taking that default reaction and we're breaking it down to kind of figure out, okay, where are we stuck? So the fourth thing, or the third thing, sorry, is what are my feelings about the meaning? So using the same example is, oh, it means that if my brother shouted at me or he screamed at me, it means that he hates me. How do I feel about the fact that he hates me? I feel sad, right? So that shows me that how I reacted is that is the level where I am at, right? And then the fourth thing is, what are your feelings about your feelings? Which is also a little bit deeper, but it's sort of like, what is the judgments of the way that you feel? How did you judge yourself in that specific situation? Um, a lot of people, for example, if they felt sad, they hate that they feel sad because they're like, oh, but it's not my problem. I didn't do anything, all of that stuff. These are all judgments. And these are all the things that pile up the negative emotional experience that will eventually turn into resentment and which most of us repress. And then it comes out in, in a lot of different ways. So just to recap, what do you see in here? What is the meaning you give to what you see in here? What is the feeling that you have about the meaning that you're given? And what are the feelings you have about the feelings that you've experienced? And then the fifth thing is what defenses have been triggered? Most of us get triggered in difficult conversations, but it's not about when you're in the conversation, how do I not get triggered? But once you're triggered, you look back, you're like, okay, what was it about that specific thing that triggered me? So it helps you take that from the conversation, from the experience as your own way to kind of look back into yourself and be like, okay, this thing that's triggered me, what aspect of my past is being brought back into, into the present that has nothing to do with this now. If I call my friend and she doesn't pick up and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> she found other friends. She doesn't like me. She wants to get rid of me, whatever. Most of us go into that trap because that's the emotional experience. Consciously, we're not aware that that is the meaning that we give it, which is why it's important to kind of go back to the meaning and what do we feel about that. And my, for example, in this specific situation, 
my feelings of abandonment are being triggered or my fear of being abandoned, my fear of not being enough, my fear of being left alone. It's a bit crazy how something as simple as a phone call or a missed phone call goes into fear of abandonment. But when most of us think, well, I don't know why I reacted so badly to that thing, or I don't know why that person doesn't understand, it's because there are so many things at, at a much deeper level that are being triggered in these little conversations or these little interactions. The sixth thing is, um, what are your rules for commenting? Most people have this idea, mostly girls, but most of us have this idea that people should understand what we need without us having to communicate what it is that we need. I mean, it's lovely to know that someone can instinctively and intuitively know what we want. And granted, women are naturally more intuitive. So we purposely put in the effort to kind of figure out what someone wants without them saying it. And then we kind of blame them for not doing the same. But sometimes we have certain rules in our head. And again, these rules come from how we've grown up. So let's say if I've grown up in a house where whenever I'm sad, my, my mom or my dad, they come and they ask me what's wrong and they make sure I'm okay. So when I'm, go, when I'm in school and I'm with someone and I act sad or I am sad and they don't even call me or text me, I'm like, <gasps> what's going on? No one loves me and you know, the world's gone to crap, but whatever. So there are certain rules that we have in terms of communication and we assume and we react as if people have the same thing or people should think the same way that we do. And again, that causes conflict. Um, and then the seventh is, what is your external response? So between what you see in here and how you respond are all these levels. <laughs> that contributes to how you respond. So it's not just as simple as, okay, don't take it personally or be the bigger person, which is what most of us kind of, you know, are grown up to be taught or told to, that it's as simple as just change the way you talk or change the way you act. There are certain things that need to be understood in terms of that interaction. And because there is no one size fits all and we all react differently because we all have our own beautiful baggage from our own personal lives that plays a big role into why we are the way we are and why we act the way we act. So it's not about what is it that I need to do based on what someone else tells me. It's me going deeper into my own conversation and into my own understandings and finding within there what is it that I need to work on? What is it that's triggering me? And how can I become better at this? How can I not project the past into the future or project what's going on before into an argument about coffee or clothes that has nothing to do with fear of abandonment or all of that stuff? And that is where the healing can start to take place. And that is when you automatically don't have to force yourself to not react a certain way. I don't have to force myself to not be angry. I don't have to force myself to be the bigger person because I've, I've addressed the fundamental issue. Um, the one thing that we kind of all also fall into the trap is when we feel like we've been misjudged or mistreated. Um, we, whenever anyone is angry, the rational part of our brain does not work. So you will automatically see the worst in, 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 in the person. You'll remember all the horrible things they've done. You will hate them. And you're, you don't have a easy time to kind of remember why they are wonderful people or why you actually spend time with them. So when you're angry, when you're in that state, it's important to breathe and take a step back and consciously choose to remember the good things about the person 
not even just the good things, the reality. See the reality. So it's not that, oh, this person all is always late because realistically, probably the person is not always late. So you correct that and you see reality, you don't see it from the lens of anger. And one important thing to remember is when, when we feel like we're angry and we might have the right to be angry, but you don't have to deny another person's acknowledgement just to justify your pain. You, the person doesn't have to be a completely bad person for me to feel like, yeah, they've wronged me and I have a right to feel that they've hurt me. Because most, not even most of us, all of us are a mix of good and bad. And we all hurt people when we don't intend to, and we all say the wrong thing at the wrong time sometimes. But the trick is not in, for me to feel like my pain is valid, I have to call them out as horrible people and overgeneralize because this is a trap most of us fall into. You can still feel hurt and angry and your pain is still justified without you having to deny the reality of the other person or say that they're completely horrible. Um, the last thing that I would say before I kind of uh, let anyone who wants to talk talk is that, again, going back into the listening, most of us, when we talk, we're like this. I'm, someone's here and the other person's here. We're just swimming around and we're not on the same plane. So to make sure before you get into deep conversation, there's something you really have to say. Make sure that you're both seeing the same reality. So if someone's talking and you're talking and you feel like you're talking about completely different things, together, work together to kind of bring that reality back. Are you seeing the same thing the other person's seeing? Are you talking about the same thing? Are you talking about the same time? What, what is going on exactly? Once you're both discussing or at the same level in terms of what you're talking about and what you kind of experience, that's when you can begin to um, resolve the conflict or go through the interaction with as much ease as possible. Um, I think that's all I had in mind to kind of say for today. I hope that was helpful. And for anyone who has any specific questions, please feel free. Oh, thank you, Aziza. Uh, I always say, um, and most who worked with me, and I, I always mention, I don't live in your head. So don't assume that I understand what you're trying to say. And I always teach people to be more vocal about how they feel and how things are going and how they perceive things from their angle. Because as you mentioned, sometimes even if we see things eye to eye, it doesn't mean that I perceived it the way that you perceived it. You saw it from your, uh, like, let's say from your perception and I've done, I've seen it from my own perception and behind every perception, there's an understanding and emotion related to it. So it triggers a lot of stuff within me, the thought process. And that's why sometimes we hold these resentments against people without the other person even knowing why. And this is, that leads to a huge conflict and, you know, bursting out, out of the, out of the blue when uh, that specific person does the tiniest thing, you know, and, you know, and you're at your south of them. Um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of story behind everything that goes on when it comes to conversation. Um, I will leave the floor yours, uh, floors to you guys if you would like to um, ask and have any kind of discussion. Q&As is more fruitful than the, the uh, topic itself because this is going to be based on your own personal experiences. And here we have Aziza with, to answer um, to answer you guys. So feel free to uh, ask her. Um, I have a quick 
question about your last point in regards of like bringing the person back in reality or let's say mm-hmm. two participants back in reality um how mm-hmm. could we like practice that habit or like is there like certain questions we can ask or like how can we allow the other person to actually like as like um Hamad said in that to actually like understand my mind or like be in the same space that I am okay so one thing that I do and I encourage a lot of people to do which I find helpful is when when you're listening and if someone's saying something I will repeat back what they've told me just so I can make sure I got what they're talking about because sometimes if someone is really stuck in a certain place mentally and they don't they feel like I need to kind of protect where I am because I have a very valid point that I want to you know throw at you so Uh, one thing that I do is I'm like, okay, so what I'm hearing is you feel hurt by the fact that I've done this and this and this. Is that correct? And usually when you do that, the person's like, yeah, or yes, exactly. Or sometimes they correct me because I misunderstand sometimes. So I kind of re- uh, say back to them what they've said in as much as exactly how they said it. While first I have to listen for me to be able to do that. So first I listen. And then I repeat back what they said. And then when they, that person feels validated, I'm like, okay. And the first thing I do is I become compassionate with that. Because if I'm like, oh, you're talking about that. Okay, yeah, but I'm talking about this now. It's like, okay. So it's more of, oh, you've, you felt hurt when that happened. I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. Or that must have been hard. So meeting them at where they're at. And then be like, yeah, I know that was a very difficult experience for you. Um, do you mind if I share what I think or what I was going through? And then that's kind of how you bring the conversation together. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, thank you for right. that. Okay, yeah. you're welcome. Aziza, what about, um, there's a lot of people, let's say a few of my clients that always have this uh, issue with parents. When it comes mm. to parents don't understand me, they don't listen to me, they don't, give me a chance to express how is it uh, how is there is a way that you would recommend um, them to you know just have a way to better communicate with them to to point out or to state a, uh, state their thoughts or anything that they want to you know just to to have or do in life and the parents are not listening yeah I think this is something that all of us can kind of relate to because I've yet to meet someone who feels like my parents completely understand me and I feel completely validated. Um, the thing here is it is very tricky because when you bring two people who want to you know, work on their communication, it's always a lot easier. But if you're trying to work on yourself based on someone else without them realizing they have to work on themselves or even seeing the fact that they have a problem, it is a little bit tricky. So for starters, it will it is difficult and it is not easy, but The, based on what I said in the beginning, look at how the person usually responds. Are they, uh, do they project? Do they deny? Are they irrelevant? Or are they super reasonable? Super reasonable people are the ones who completely ignore themselves, ignore the, the other person, and they just focus on the situation. They're the ones who seem like they have no emotion or no whatever. So for example, usually the people who project are the people who feel like they need to feel validated. If I'm sitting here and I'm complaining about how no one appreciates my job and you're all, you know, horrible kids, you don't understand how much I paid for schools and all of that stuff, blah, 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 blah. What that voice is actually saying is I need to feel appreciated. I need to feel loved. I need to feel like what I'm doing matters. 
So one trick is to look into when a person's expressing something, what are they actually saying? Because all the time their voice, their tone, their body language says that there is something that they're seeking. They're not aware enough to kind of explain that, okay, I need you to, I need to feel like you appreciate me. So it's not even a matter of, I, I know, I know that you appreciate me, but I need to feel appreciated. I need to feel validated. So this is where most of us kind of have to put down our own egos a little because we know that we're right and our parents need to understand us and they need to see us in the way that we want to be seen and all of that stuff. But reality, what are what we want is not what happens in that context. It's more of, okay, I know I need these things, but how can I reach my parents in hopes that they will be able to respond to me in the way that I wish? So the, this is one example. It's how can I, because we don't know people as people, we know them in our own context. I, for example, I would know my, my parents as the bad tempered or the lazy or the whatever. I don't know them as they are. They are not just that quality. They have a whole other life with a lot of other things and they've lived a life and they have their own baggage. So first of all, see them in a human light more so than the idealized father, mother, um, you know, that figure. See them as human beings who have as much baggage as you do, if not more. But it's more in that sense to see the human in them, see what is it that they need the most. Because when they speak and when they talk, they don't say it in words, but they say it in, in their tone. And that's where it's, if we want to create change, I kind of have to be conscious into how can I get that person to feel good and safe and seen and valid for, for them to be able to see me. Because if I don't feel seen, I'm not ready to see anyone else. I'm not ready to listen to anyone else. I need to be validated first. So that's how I would go. I hope that answers your question. It does. Um, I think there's a, a question in the chat. Does the same apply to all types of communications? As for example, when it's a work talk with a client, it is different from a talk with a family member or a friend. And what aspect of, of what I've talked do you mean? Does what apply? I think this is Naram's question. The points of how conversation goes. Yeah, usually the, the points of how, like the, you mean the ingredients of the conversation? Yeah, this is usually what you can do to kind of dissect um, your interactions with people. So you can use that kind of dynamic to be like, okay, but for example, if I struggle mostly with, let's say, friendships, I will try to integrate that with friendships. If I struggle more with family, then I'll try to use that. But that is the basis for any interaction. Um, some interactions are very simple and very basic, and they don't really trigger the past. Like if you're going to go saying hi to someone, getting a cup of coffee or whatever, that's not really a, a big issue. But Mostly it's when something is bringing up your own baggage or you're finding it hard to communicate, the, these steps, you can go back into them and kind of deconstruct where you are to kind of understand yourself better, understand the person and try to find closure and create the, the congruence communication that we're looking for. Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Any other questions? Um, I have another question. Um, yeah, I'm quite not sure how to like explain this entire matter, but sometimes you actually like hold subconscious expectations to a conversation, like beforehand, like before even talking to that person, you have an expectation of my uh, in mind. Like, how do you control that, or how do you like? Because um, sometimes, like, 
leads me to disappointment. And I know that, but I, but at times I just have this habit of creating those in my head. So mm-hmm. do you have any tips in regards of that? Okay, so there are different ways to kind of go about this. All of us have expectations in any scenario. So it's hard to kind of say, I want to not have expectations because what our brains do is they put these expectations as a way to kind of predict what's going to happen to kind of make us prepared. Um, The difference is when what I'm thinking about all these expectations that I have, the awareness that, okay, these are just expectations that I have. They're not necessarily true that kind of creates that space when the other person responds differently, it doesn't trigger us as much. Um, But if you're looking back into the specific expectations that you have, unmet expectations can bring up a lot of things, but how do we handle those? So the first question is the unmet expectation or the expectation that you had that didn't come to fully in the way that you wanted. Do you really want it? Is there still some, because some expectations people can't compromise or they don't really want to compromise. So that's understandable. So based on the specific expectation that you had, whether it is something that you want to compromise or not, that will decide how you want to go about it. So if I expected that this person, um, I don't know, for example, if you're getting married and this person wants 10 kids and I just want one, it's like, okay, this is not going to work out. So I need to take myself out of the situation. Um, And then there are certain other expectations where you're like, okay, how do you calibrate? Because some of us have, for example, I want someone who, can I even choose that example? Like um, if I expect that I'm gonna work out every day, haha, I'm gonna wake up every day at 6 a.m. and I'm gonna work out. Realistically, that is an expectation, but if it's unmet, I feel like crap. So what do I do? Let me calibrate that. So like three times a week, four times a week. So I'm not completely letting go of an expectation, but I'm kind of calibrating it. Um, the third thing that I would say is what what is behind the expectations that your mind kind of creates and go into that. The first thing we need to do is our expectations to realize and become aware. Our expectations have nothing to do with the person and everything to do with us. So first of all, if I'm having certain expectations in a specific way and the lack of them or when they don't become met, like they cause me issues or anxiety or whatever, I look back into why is it that I expect, for example, uh, my partner to call me every day or why do I expect that that person will think of me or send me a song, you know, Um, going into the root of that again, like when we went into the interactions and it's like, oh, fear of abandonment, there's all of that. Even expectations are rooted in our core beliefs. So you kind of have to go back into our core beliefs through that trail of, okay, where is this coming from? Where did this expectation come from? Um, How can I make peace with it? Or how can I calibrate it? Or how can I move on from it? Or in other words, how can I create a new expectation or neutralize that? Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. Thank you for that. Okay, awesome. You're welcome. I would like to ask whoever is here, how do you resolve your conflicts due to any uh, communication issues when you kind of have these kind of, uh, um, not issues, but more or less um, the, the dilemma behind trying to explain yourself, to express yourself and eventually the other person doesn't hear you 
the way that you're trying to uh, give or uh, let's say um, want to send out the message? How do you deal with these kind of situations where you feel like you're never understood? I can share my own personal experience because communication is a, also a big one for me. Um, my usual tactic is to just run away and ignore the fact that it happened. Um, and at that time, that is how I coped. And that is how I saw that this is how I will feel safe. And this is the best way to not have anyone either hate me, be disappointed at me, me be the face of conflict. I will just retreat and kind of go away. Now, that eventually when you grow up, it doesn't really serve you well because life will demand you to confront and you will have things that you will need to honor within yourself that will need that you will need to step up and be like, okay, no, I need to speak up. Um, the one thing that I would say also is most of us, when there when there's conflict or let's say difference in interaction, because we've grown up believing that differences or problems or misunderstandings or difference in opinion is bad, it will lead you to be ostracized, marginalized, not belonging, you're bad. It doesn't feel safe and we feel there's something wrong about it. And it's not logical, it's more experiential. It's like once we feel like someone does not agree with us, we feel like a part of us is just like, why? Or no, what's going on? Or, you know, and obviously the closer the person is to our, the more it hurts. But we will not, even the people we love the most, we will have issues and conflict and issues in communication because we are two different people, different realities, different expectations. We have a lot of similarities, but when within our relationships, what helps it grow is that we become better at understanding the other person and how they communicate. And that will never stop. So interactions or conflicts never stop. And they are opportunities to grow and to learn. But most of us get stuck into feeling like, oh, this means something's bad. This means you're gonna leave me. This means it's never gonna work out. And that's what causes most of the issue. Again, going back to the point of it's the meaning we give to the situation that creates the experience, not the experience itself. Um, I quite resonate with Aziza, to be honest, because in every conversation I go on, like, let's say flight mode or just like withdrawal, like I just want to go back home, think about the situation, think about their perspective, ask myself a couple of questions. Because um, at times, like it all depends on the context of the situation, the person, um, even as Nagam said, it depends on the person. Um, I would, if the situation is getting like all heated up, um, anger is like being projected, I would step back, um, think about the situation and ask myself questions, then go back to the person and see if we can actually reach a common ground. That's what I technically do. I'm not sure about the others, but that at time works, but it, it all depends on the person. Thank you for sharing. Uh, is it okay if I give my input on it? Or on yeah, how of I... course. Uh, so I don't want to say I have a healthy way of confronting people because I don't. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Uh, but I think for me, it's mostly that I will try to put it out as much as I can because I can't always find the words. But and usually things start heating up, you know, if it doesn't go the right way. And then I'll try going back to it. And I'll try a couple of times. If it doesn't work, then for me, it's kind of like, okay, let it go. So I see a lot of us kind of have this, I'll just pull myself out of this situation and get out of it as soon as I can. Um, and a lot of that is also 
um, obviously goes back to childhood, goes back to very early experiences where, let's say, verbalizing what we feel or feeling the way that we feel is bad or it's wrong and we've been criticized for it, pushed down for it, punished for it. So our brains are registering that, okay, if you speak your mind, you'll get in trouble. So we're going to make sure you never do that again. And then we grow up and we still have those coping mechanisms and those core beliefs. As I always say, as adults, we're just oversized babies because we all react more so than are consciously acting. Um, but again, it's the beauty of understanding where we are is to know where we need to help because it's not what is the right thing to do. It's if this way of communicating or the way that I am is causing an issue for me, then obviously I'd want to fix it. Most of us don't have a congruent way of communicating and most of us are doing fine. It seems to work for a lot of us and that's okay. But if I'm aware that the way that I'm communicating is causing an issue for me, then maybe I would want to work on. And sometimes our ways of communicating and our ways of dealing with emotions per se always attract a certain dynamic of people. So most of us relate that into who we are and, oh, I'm always attracting this kind of person or does this mean I'm unworthy and all that stuff. Sometimes it does have to do with worthiness and all of that stuff. But a lot of the times it's the way we communicate that attracts certain people and the way that we're not really aware of in terms of projecting, in terms of denying, in terms of kind of avoiding or ignoring, that is what's bringing certain people into our lives. And it is definitely a good place to start when it comes into what is the dynamic that usually happens? Because if you look at most people that are, um, let's say blaming, for example, to them, everyone's stupid. <laughs> no one understands. <laughs> they are the only ones who understand. And they're like, why is it that no one understands? It's like, okay, baby, look into yourself. So um, that is what I would say in regards to, to that. But thank you for sharing. I think this keeps me uh, on the other side of the spectrum where I used to always flip, you know, like I was always in the edge, anything and anyone says anything, straight away I go nuts, um, believe it or not. And everyone who sees me right now, they see this a complete different person is very calm, you know, like anyone <laughs> that I meet recently right now, like, how do you even get any kind, any kind of conflict? Because they see how <laughs> calm I am and I observe the anger from others. But I used to be like, you know, like just I need a spark and I go mm. like berserk. You know, like mm. I used to always cause fights. I don't communicate. I don't know how to communicate. And this is the way that I used to deal with it. But right now, yeah. as I mentioned, I learned how to literally uh, keep quiet. And especially when someone is very, very angry and they start trying to you know, build some sort of conflict. I know they're coming from like it's coming from anger, coming from hate, pain, or like maybe from a very long day that they had, and they're just letting things out. I try to absorb it. I try to be so still to the point I try to listen to every single thing they say. And I know I, I could hear from the tone of voice they are just saying stuff, you know, just pouring their like the garbage out, you know, just to vent in, in a way. So one of the things that I train myself is. If this person gets to a point where they're trying to hurt me with their voice, like with you know, with with what they're saying and avoiding the real conflict, this is where I stop myself and I don't initiate in having this conversation because uh, we are only going to hurt ourselves at the end of the day. If I keep on trying to say stuff and these like they were going to go throwing things back and forth, I'm just hurting myself and hurting that other person with 
like un, uh, things that we both don't mean. So like, this is one of the things that I try to say. I get myself out of the conversation by telling this person, you know what? I feel like I'm not you know, in the right mindset of having to deal with this right now. You know, you could calm down. I could calm down. We collect and then again, we could have this conversation again, you know, when we're both calm and chill. So maybe this is something like you guys could try and see how does that work for you. Do you mind if I ask you a question about that aspect of when you were, um, like you said, you just needed anything and you just blow up. So yeah. if you were in that mood or when you were in that moment of you're just very angry, what would you have needed for you to calm down? What is it that you would need the most from the person opposite you? I, I, to be honest, I get to the point that I just want to hit the person in front of me. So, mm -hmm. you know, like it gets me so angry that I start shaking. I just want to hit, you know, I get this mm. urge of hitting. But I always mm. used to uh, like hold myself. It just gets to a point if that person just shut their mouth and just, you know, just ask me what, like, what's going on. You know, I think this is why I felt because I used to bottle up so much, I just, I was always at the edge. So mm -hmm. if just one person, instead of just adding, because I felt like I was, always been you know just adding more anger to me and like people are just putting more burden on me instead of if someone just had the um the conscious ability of noticing you know what Hamad, is there anything you wanted to share you know just gave me some sort of space to to feel like validated i had a point to say i feel like things would have been better yeah so if someone was walking across the street and they'd look at you, they, they wouldn't even, it wouldn't even cross their minds that, oh, this person just needs to be seen and validated. But underneath all that anger, that is genuinely what you needed. And if someone, like you said, would just address that, that makes all the difference. And that is where we come in, in when we, because we are responsible, being complete or taking responsibility for every aspect of your life is actually the, the weight of freedom because that gives you the ability to choose how to react, how to respond, what to do, what not to do. So if I sit and say, Hamad, well, Hamad needs to collect his anger and not project that stuff onto me, I have the right to say that. Of course, it's valid, but is it useful? Is it helpful? Is it getting me anywhere? Not really. So what is my responsibility for me to kind of get the most out of an interaction? And that's where we kind of have to not speak or react from an, an ego place or an righteous I have to go and say something but more of just take a step back and look at the person there's a quote that says every shout is actually a cry for help and I don't think there's anything farther from the truth from that underneath a lot of anger a lot of anger is mostly unmet expectations or there's a lot of fear or it's uh, boundaries that have been crossed so most of us especially in this part of the world or I think most of humanity anger is seen as a bad thing anger is very important anger protects you anger tells you when someone's crossed the line but our relationship with anger is kind of the issue so when we neutralize how we respond to things and what we call them to be that's how we're able to work with it because if i say anger is bad i can't even work with it even if it's with me i'll reject it and create more of an issue and more of a burden so going through that is a very important process it's not an easy one but it's simple <laughs> so easy to sit here and talk but it's not an easy one. Um, but yeah. So I wanted to add one thing, guys. Um, usually communication is like speaking a language. If you don't find a way that 
the other person is speaking the same language, you always have a difficulty. It's like going to another country and they don't speak Arabic and you're trying to communicate with them and they don't understand you. So what you do is you try to use any kind of gesture, anything. And what happens, you start getting frustrated and you start getting angry. And that's when you like, you just feel like either you leave or you're just trying to project your anger on them. So this is pure or simple way of seeing what the conversation is and find a way to have the same language that you both understand. Um, I'd also like to add one thing when it comes to communicating, the nonverbal aspect is rapport. Now, if someone is, I want to connect to someone and they're speaking to me in a certain tone or their body language is a certain way, rapport is kind of you're mirroring their body language, you're mirroring their tone. So if if I want to connect to someone, I will mirror back what they're doing subconsciously you feel more connected and they feel more connected. Now we don't want to report someone who's angry and they're just throwing things and all of that stuff. So what do we do then? We maintain our calm because usually what happens when someone's escalating, they expect the other person to escalate. It's kind of like that bully that wants to like bully someone to kind of get a reaction. We subconsciously do that because we feel like, you know, the other person has to react in the way that we're reacting. So what to do is when you're in that place, you have, when someone else is in that place, maintain your calm and not meet them at that level because it's kind of like you're you're there with them anything you say at this point when you're shouting and they're shouting doesn't it's not going to get through nothing's going to work so when you're trying to bring someone back to center you don't report what they're doing you kind of maintain your calm so that they can come back to center with you not in an annoying way because a lot of us are like passive aggressive in the sense and the no, what's wrong, whatever. So kind of be conscious in what you're doing. Um, But definitely when you want to connect to people, when you want that person to be seen and you want to see them and you want to be intimate and vulnerable, rapport is a big aspect to it with your tone. Um, Like for example, Hamad just nodded his head and I just nodded mine. So it's kind of, it kind of works as well. Um, So that is a very important, because most communication is actually nonverbal. but we so we kind of tend to forget that. But it's all these different elements that once we've understood and we kind of know what role they play in a communication, we're better able to integrate it. Beautifully said. Um, thanks. Um, yeah, I guess uh, it's uh, it's one of the most important things, guys, because eventually it is what helps us express who we are and everything that's going within us. As she mentioned, she touched upon a very valid point is we kind of use a lot of ways to uh, express the inner voices within us or inner pain, or let's say the cry out for help, but we still didn't learn how to express it in the right way. So there's a lot of um, um, understanding needs to be done so that you know how to express these uh, crying, the cries out for help by understanding yourself first. Thanks a lot, Aziza, for actually putting uh, this together. And I would like to see one more time, guys, if you have anything else to, uh, to share or any questions you would like to address. So take a moment to uh, you know, speak to Aziza. If not, I think this gets us to the end of the, the session. You covered up everything in the chat box, right, Aziza? Sorry? You, you covered up everything in the chat? I think so. There's anything I can have another look. Okay, so we can talk about 
if you guys have time and we have time, have 10 minutes. Um, or maybe we can do that some other time if, because um, self-trust, positive self-talk, healthier relationship with oneself is a, ooh, a big I topic. I, I would love to have that by a topic by itself. I'd love Especially to come back again. No problem. It is an important time. one. We'll definitely have another session with you. Um, thank you again for your time and uh, for hosting this. Uh, thank you everyone for sharing and actually uh, being with us tonight. Um, by all means, um, I'll send uh, Aziza's uh, um, Instagram handle. Feel free to get in touch with her if you need anything. Trust me, she is very selfless when it comes to helping out. So utilize her expertise in any area of your life. Thank you again, once again, Aziza, for being with us. Thank you for having me and thank you all for listening. And I hope this talk was helpful. And like Hamad said, if anyone has any questions, anything that they want to know about, whatever it is that we've talked, um, if you want to book a session, I'm here as well. Just get in contact with me. And yeah, I hope you all have a wonderful night. <laughs> you too. Thanks.